Welcome to our podcast, Underexposed. I am Hannah. And I'm Jonathan. We are here to discuss classic cinema, or at least my opinion of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When I met Jonathan uh, almost four years ago. I guess we should start by saying we're together. Oh, yes, we are a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I met him, I learned that he owned a video production company and so for whatever reason at the time I thought that meant that he was super into film and I (laughs) am very into movies and have seen a lot of classic cinema and then I soon discovered that he had not (laughs) because (laughs) apparently well it depends on what you'd consider classic like you don't like elf okay that's a classic uh-huh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I have slowly been introducing him to classics like Casablanca, Days mm-hmm. and Confused, mm-hmm. Breakfast at Tiffany's. And um, I thought of having a podcast where we could talk about bad exposure. Mm-hmm. And exposing me to new ones. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we wanted to start by talking about, I guess, our base of where. Yeah, kind of our each of our background in film and what we've seen and how we came up. Exactly. So um, I was raised in a kind of christian fundamental home where we did not watch current cinema but i was allowed to watch old films like the in our films not rated it's so old (laughs) films um so a lot of black and white a lot of what is now considered to be classic cinema and but i had no tv i mean we had a television that was not connected to any service so i have as far as television exposure is much more minimal (laughs) because i didn't begin watching tv until i was a teenager um so he's got me beat there for sure (laughs) (laughs) so uh on my end uh i grew up watching A bunch of random stuff, not classic so much. My parents, I think, exposed me more to classic music than uh, classic rock and good good music than uh, really movies and that sort of thing. I got a lot of classic rock, too. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So I came up watching things like Spaceballs, which, again, in my opinion, still sort of a classic, but not exactly (laughs) classic cinema. I don't think anybody would call that classic cinema. Or maybe somebody would. Uh, but yeah, my, my parents would, uh, uh, get angry at me cause I would recite the whole movie as we, as we watched it. I don't know how many times I saw that. Uh, or I was, you know, forced to watch pretty woman 27 times by my sister. That is classic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I can render my, my opinion. I'm going to say not classic on that one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of sort of more like feel good stuff, like comedies modern yeah or like action yeah definitely more modern uh so yeah i'm lacking in the classics as hannah said so as far as the format for this kind of what we're gonna do each time is we'll uh 
we will talk about a movie. We're going to pick a movie each uh, each podcast, and then I'm going to start by kind of saying what I've heard of the movie, kind of what I know about it, if I know anything specific, like, uh, you know, who was in it, or, you know, just general stuff about it, like the plot line, uh, and then if I think I'll like it based on what I've heard or not heard, and that sort of thing. And then I will talk about my memory of the film when I was introduced to it. I'm going to rate the film. What are we doing for the rating system? Are we doing like one so to it's ten gonna or one to a hundred? So it's going to be kind of, no, because we're going to do it based on Rotten Tomatoes score. And Rotten Tomatoes score is kind of funky. Uh, so it's an aggregate of, of all the critics who have rated it. And essentially they just say they like it or they don't like it. And then that ends up being a percentage of critics that say they like it. That's where you get a Rotten Tomatoes score. So it's not as though critics rated it this movie is 85 percent because i think it's a, a solid b so but it ends up sort of i don't even know how this is possible but it always sort of in my opinion at least ends up working out pretty well but it's really the critics don't give it a score they just say fresh or rotten yay or nay and the percentage is how many critics said it was fresh and how many said it was rotten? Yeah, they can't do the thumbs up. That's just school and Ebert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you in podcast land, I was giving a thumbs up because I gave <laughs> an explanation. Uh, so, yeah. So we're going to kind of use that as our base. So, so I'm going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. No, you're going to you're gonna give it a, a percentage. percentage score. Okay, so. I'm going to give it a percentage score then based on my memory of the film. Um, and then I will read a synopsis of the film. Some of these films I haven't seen in 20 plus years. So what I remember may be very different from what the film actually is. Um, after we read the synopsis, we'll then take a break and watch the film. The fun part. Yeah. Uh, and then after we watch the film, we'll come back and I'm going to start by kind of comparing how I felt going into it and what my thoughts were and what my thoughts were after seeing it and uh, just kind of a general overview at that point. And then I will give it a rating based on what I, I think of it uh, at that point. And I'll kind of do the same with comparing to my memory of the film. I will then rate it again off of my fresh viewing and obviously who I am now compared to who I was whenever I saw <laughs> it. Um, and then we will check the Rotten Tomato score to see if we are in line with all those other critics. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Uh, and then we'll kind of do like best thing, uh, what kind of each of us, what we think is the best thing about it. And then kind of the most memorable thing and the worst thing and just kind of general how the movie holds up. And then our final thoughts and whether we recommend it or not. And that'll be the general format. Yeah, sounds good. So our first film is going to be Citizen Kane. So, yes. All right. Into the, the nuts and bolts. Uh, so this is a good one for me because I've hopefully obviously heard of it. I know absolutely nothing about this film. Uh, I couldn't tell you really one thing. I don't know the plot Not line. Uh, well, I, other than it's in like it? critically acclaimed. No, I don't even I don't even think I know an actor that's in it. Wait, wow. something just popped in my head. Humphrey Bogart. No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like 
maybe there's some sort of like kind of dystopian aspect to it or something like that. But I really don't know. Your face is telling me that's a no. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I really know absolutely nothing about this. Uh, so it's a good one. I'm going into this one completely blank slate. All right. I have not seen this film since I was nine or ten years old. So it has been, not to give away my age, but <laughs> just about 20 years since I've seen this. Wow, I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. Let's just say that. My understanding is that this film is considered to be one of the best films of all time. It makes the top of most critic lists of best films of all time. My memory of that is not that it is the best film of all time. <laughs> However, um, I think it's important to see it. So I'm glad that this is where we are starting. My memory of it is that it is about a tycoon. <laughs> okay. And kind of how he allows work to eat up his life and doesn't make time to build a personal life. And therefore... Um, dies alone and sad. That is my memory of the film. Um, All right, very depressing. Good. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Um, I remember <laughs> that uh, Rosebud was very significant. So you'll you'll see that. Okay. I mean, that is a also, very. Also, did you clear just give memory. me a huge spoiler by I, saying maybe, he dies? Maybe. Right, good. Maybe. Well, maybe. Good. Sorry. Sorry. Um. I was rating based on my memory of the film. Um, my memory of the film is that it is good. I mean, it kept my attention as a nine-year-old, which is pretty impressive. But I also think I was used to slower films because of the what I was exposed to. Um, so I probably had a better attention span than nine-year-olds today <laughs> like my nine-year-old would not sit through this film <laughs> so um i'm too old and has bad graphics exactly yeah. bad graphics <laughs> everything everything <laughs> that is more than five years old has bad graphics, bad graphics. <laughs> um i'm gonna give it a rating based on my memory of it it is slower paced all those things of like 87 percent 87 percent yeah right. a high b okay a high b. sounds good that's not solid. as high that's as solid. most critics for, give it for a <laughs> movie where the main character dies you give it a high b that's good that's yeah good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right let us read the synopsis and see if i was anywhere in the right realm of accuracy right. with what this was when a reporter is assigned to decipher Newspaper magnate Charles Foster Keynes, which is played by Orson Welles. Oh, yes. He also directed the film. This is like a huge part. I okay. should have put this in my memory. I was okay. surprised that you didn't know that it was an Orson Welles film. Orson Welles, Humphrey Bogart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, to decipher Charles Foster Keynes, played by Orson Welles, dying words. His investigation gradually reveals the fascinating portrait of a complex man who rose from obscurity to staggering heights. Though Kane's friend and colleague Jedediah Leland, played by Joseph Cotton, and his mistress, Susan Alexander, played by Dorothy Comagore. I feel like, like I'm saying her name wrong. We Anyways, shed fragments of light on Kane's life, the reporter fears he may never penetrate the mystery of the elusive man's final word. 
Rosebud. And there it is. Look at right. There it is. Right well, that's the one thing I didn't know it was tied to this movie, but I've definitely heard the Rosebud. Does he say like I don't know something? Yeah, like he's dying. <laughs> okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it all makes yes, sense. Yes. Okay, I, I, I am got it. certain that it has been um, spoofed in other things, or at least mentioned in some way. All right. Very good. All right, it's time to watch the movie. All right. I'm so if excited. You're, Doing it along with us. Grab some popcorn or your favorite treat or whatever. Enjoy. We'll see you in a little bit. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back. We have just finished watching Citizen Kane. Yes, we hope you enjoyed it. If you watched along with us, um, we're going to insert a little spoiler warning here. We are going to talk about this film openly. So anything you may not want to know about it, you'll probably know if you listen. So if you have not seen the film, pause here, go watch it and come back and join us. Yes. All right, Jonathan, now that you have seen Citizen Kane, how do you feel? Well, I feel like a new man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I thought the movie was, all in all, very good. Uh, I really liked it. So from a number of standpoints, I thought it was well done. Uh, Cinematography-wise, um, I think I just, with what I do, a video production and that sort of thing, I have sort of an eye for that, and I tend to key into that stuff. So I thought, you know, lighting and uh, camera angles and that sort of thing were, were really good. Um, There's some interesting things done there. And I thought uh, the characters were very well done. And I thought that the the whole thing was kind of, a, it was an interesting vehicle for for telling the story, this sort of like, uh, you know, talking about this guy posthumously and, and the idea of doing this story on him and about trying to find out more about him and about what this, you know, what Rosebud was, what this, these final words that he spoke and what they, what they meant and sort of jumping back and forth in time. I thought that was sort of, uh, interesting and probably uh, I'll probably find more you know maybe I'll find more as we watch more sort of classic movies but I think that was probably this must be one of the very first movies to kind of use that sort of just not you know linear timeline I thought it was kind of yeah, kind of cool to see that unique. yeah that being said from the beginning I thought this was weird <laughs> the, whole, <laughs> the whole bank and Thatcher buying him buying Kane was it did not make any sense to me it just started off on kind of a on kind of a weird foot a child being purchased uh (laughs) and going from there Um, but I thought he was a really interesting character he was this kind of lonely sad man who was cornered into a life that he didn't want and you know I wanted to you know though at times I wanted to sort of feel bad for him he largely made it very difficult to do that you know mm-hmm. um he, he kind of purported to be such a champion of the people but was actually you know a piece of work uh and i was kind of left asking a lot of times you know what's what's his angle and that sort of thing i also thought it had some sort of interesting parallels to to today and and these days you know present present society and in sort of uh the idea of, of cancel culture a little bit but but more so than that kind of like the uh the how politics work and like blackmail and yeah. you know, the, the affair that he had and how this other you know the person that he was running against sort of pushed him out by by threatening to uh you know to expose him on that and yeah. ultimately yes exposing him on that but just I sort of the way he went about it 
Yeah, I remember when you, we were saying it, you said something about uh, it being very Trump-esque. Yes. His, uh, the headlines when they were counting the votes and they're like, which one do we show or print? Do we print he's won or there was fraud? Yeah, it's pretty blatant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that idea of sort of, and this is a big topic nowadays, I think is just like the idea of the media sort of being controlled by one person or a group of people. And he just had a very large influence over over. Yeah. Uh, what people what people read and what people thought with with his you know but not quite as great an influence as he thought right yes. because he he spoke to the powers that be and was like there's not going to be a war right and of course we went into world war Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah all in all i thought it was a really good good movie um i sort of asked myself like what what would i ding this movie on because it was very well-rounded i thought uh and there were some little things here or there, but really predominantly the only big thing I could ding it on in my, in my opinion was being built on sort of a shaky foundation of selling a child <laughs> for some <laughs> inexplicable reason. Doesn't, uh, doesn't so, jive with our modern sensibilities. Yeah, not, not so much that that part doesn't hold up so well. So uh, that being said, I gave it 94%. Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Good. I thought it was solid. I thought it was, a. Yep. I thought it was real good. So what about you? I liked it. I definitely took more from it as seeing it as an adult and having lived more life and having, you know, voted and seen our political landscape that was had more of an impact on me now than it did as a kid. Overall, my score didn't go up drastically. I still feel it's at 87, right? Yes, I said 87. Um, I'm gonna say 90. Okay. It's just like a solid A minus. Okay. I still feel there were some pacing issues I still felt, um, and certain things that I felt were very niche to the time, uh, i.e. the newsreel that began the film. I feel like watching it, I was kind of like, what's happening? (laughs) What's going on? What are they talking about? And then, but looking at it, like after I realized that it was a newsreel, I was like, oh, I feel like people who saw it at the time it came out wouldn't have been so thrown because they had newsreels at the beginning of uh, Mm -hmm. movies all the time. So it was like a very common thing, but like, we don't have those anymore. Haven't had them in a really long time, (laughs) never in my lifetime. Um, And I only know about them because history and such. But I feel like that was probably an easier beginning to the film for people of the time as opposed to like us and people younger than us Mm -hmm. i feel like people younger than us might be even more taken aback by it okay that beginning okay i can see that but yeah i I still i i I bumped it up a little bit okay um but solid and i definitely still feel it's a movie that everyone should see yeah yeah agree and i think it's quite a feat that he wrote it, starred in it, directed it, produced it. You know, all that, that, that is, it's his film. Yeah, for It's sure. definitely his vision and he made it happen, which yeah. is incredible. Okay, we're going to check the Rotten Tomato score, see how we uh, compare to the mass critics. So it says that the critics gave it a 99%. 99%. <laughs> so we're a little below that. 
Um, we fall more in line with the audience score, which gave it a 90%. So I'm pretty dead on with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to our um, more of our thoughts and more specifics because I have a lot to say, and I feel like you do too. So, I do, yes. Um, I wanted to start with just uh, the opening credit, like the title page. Mm -hmm. I... And maybe it's just because I'm super into fonts and what I do. Um, but I really loved the font of Citizen Kane on the screen and just how bold it was. It's placement. There was like, it was almost like indicative of the character itself. It was just very prominent, in your face, yeah, in your face loud, yeah. like you could not miss it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, that's my first thought. Okay. <laughs> that's good, right off the bat. Um, you talked about Kane being sold. I did not really understand that at all. That whole sequence yeah. really made no sense to me. I, I didn't understand if he, it doesn't make sense that he sold, but that's what it seemed to be happening. But like she had nothing of value. And why did why why would anyone want this random boy from Colorado? It was very yeah, so I, guess, yeah. I I did not understand it. Yeah. I did not get it. Um, the only thing I could like I tried to like reason it out in my head, and I was like, maybe it's Thatcher needed an heir. He clearly had no children of his own. This he found this woman who was willing to basically sell her child. So he was like, great, I'll take him and I'll kind of mold him into a second me, which yeah. obviously backfired and he was not. Right. <laughs> he was a great disappointment to him. The mother made no sense. She seemed very cold and distant. Oh, I've had his backpack for a week. Very just like withdrawn. And then in the scene of the actual parting, she was like holding him and like the father said something about tanning his hide because he had had basically a fit that he was going to have to leave his family makes sense <laughs> um and she was like yeah you think it's okay to tan his hide or whatever and that's why i'm sending him away so it was like is she protecting him is he an abusive i was i well, don't the, know the and he seemed didn't. very meek and like like she was running the show he didn't seem like an abusive partner who yeah, like i don't know i mean it, he didn't seem i mean yes she did seem like she was running the show but he i don't know he seemed like, like he looked kind of disheveled like was he an alcoholic or something like that but they clearly had issues it felt to me like he was sort of meek at that point because he was fearful of his son leaving in a you know in a weird way he's kind of like needs to be on his best behavior now but like it seemed to me that they had had a lot of issues in the past obviously uh so you know that was sort of at least how that came across to me that, like i i agree with you as far as thatcher goes like i think that he probably needed to find an heir right he needed somebody to take That's over this I'm huge assuming. fortune <laughs> but he the question that pops into my head is like why why that kid specifically like how did he come upon it and maybe that doesn't really matter um he just found this you know boarding home and he was lucky enough to find this woman and guy who ended up being happy you know because he got 25 grand too yeah being sort of happy that you know they were able that, that they'd give up their son 
But I think that the only motivation that I can think for the parents' side, like the dad at first doesn't want to, right? And then after he hears $25,000, then he kind of like flips a little yeah. bit, which is pretty sad. Uh, but the mom, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, it seems like she, you know, maybe she had ulterior motives. Maybe she wanted the money a little bit, but it seemed that she wanted the kid to have a better life, right? Yeah, I mean, as a mother, me being a mother, I feel like unless you have some chip missing that has to be the ultimate motive she has although i don't feel the actress portrayed that very well but it has to be that she thought that thatcher could give him a life obviously could give him a life that she couldn't because he has money and Mm -hmm. he could go to the best schools or whatever but that that would in turn that that money alone would in turn make his life better right just something she couldn't provide so yeah yeah. and like you said it ended up backfiring quite a bit so yes so whole thing very weird right from the start yeah i i did find it interesting in watching this and knowing how it ended um how i felt there was a bit of the foreshadowing when they focused on the sled that is left in the yard as it is covered with Mm, snow like it was a bit foreshadowing that this is this is a turning point this this is really what his whole life will circle back around to Mm -hmm. this moment yeah so what else i guess i wonder he taught kane when i say he kane mentions on more than one occasion kind of what he could have been if he didn't have money like he thinks somehow he would have been a better man. He flat or out in says, a, I would have yeah. been a better person if I didn't have money. And he says yeah. it kind of like half jokingly, but he, you can tell it's, yeah. Yeah. Like he, there's a part of him that believes it. Yeah. But you it don't does, believe that? I, I don't really understand why, why, why does money make you a bad person? I don't think it does. Well, <laughs> Maybe because I, I want money. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a question is like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person, but he, like he had the opportunity. And one of the things that was confusing about, about his character for me is that he did have the opportunity, like such a great opportunity to do good things. Cause he had yeah. all of this money available to him and ostensibly he wanted to, well, you know, he, he keeps saying, to. well, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. He keeps saying that he wants to, but, never actually does so yeah. yeah so he the question is why why is that why does he not actually use it for good why I, does he just say he could be a better person without it i feel like he uses it like a crutch to excuse his bad behavior mm-hmm. it's very it's very odd he acts like um there's a quote i'm probably getting this wrong but he, something along the lines of I always choked on my silver spoon or something to that nature. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really make sense to me because it's like, if this money was such a burden, why do you keep spending it? It it, clearly, it's not that big of a burden. Like you use it to buy these statues. You don't even take out of boxes, you know, to travel, to build this house that you never finish to, build an opera house for your wife who doesn't even want to sing like i (laughs) i don't know it just doesn't really make any sense well i think he's he's always trying to prove something right to himself and to everybody else and and he's trying to prove that he's like from the start 
his his mother and father didn't see him to be of enough value to keep right so he's always trying to prove his value through whatever way i mean there's a quote that uh that susan his second wife says at one point you never gave me anything in your whole life you just tried to buy me into giving you something so it's like i felt like that illustrated him as as a person and that's just his sort of he never really he never really connects with people he he mentions that he and i forget maybe it was her maybe it was somebody else he and oh it was when they first met yeah he says we're both lonely people right uh he knows a lot of people but he's a lonely person so he money is his way to try and prove his worth but since it was all given to him all he can do is just throw it everywhere yeah exactly because he didn't earn it right yeah i don't know i just feel like he had so many opportunities apparently went to princeton harvard yale oxford was kicked out of all these places where he could have received the best education arguably out there Mm -hmm. and bettered himself as an individual and instead, he chose antics. Yeah, and... I think. Well, but think about like, I mean, to me, what comes up there is like the this life again, this life was chosen for him. He never really had any say in what happened from from childhood getting, you know, leaving with Thatcher to going to all these schools because Thatcher had this agenda for him and he mm-hmm. sort of rebelled against him and didn't, as you said, didn't become what Thatcher wanted him to be. But he's always kind of he's he just never he never got to choose his way through life so i think he's just rebelling at every point right you would you would like to think that people would take advantage of going to these ivy league schools and that sort of thing if it was just handed to them but maybe that wasn't what he wanted from the beginning no no i think he he states that plainly several times throughout the film that you know he says another point about like if he'd stayed in colorado he would have been better and and you know who's to say i guess if you deem that for yourself then that you're gonna make it come to fruition Mm -hmm. but i feel like you know ultimately we all have power over our own life if we choose to use it and the thing is is he had a lot of power like he used his newspaper to kind of fit his agenda and work his agenda even though there was that scene with the newspaper's principles or something like that and it was like we will be honest we will be beholden to no one something something like that and yet he was his declaration of principles he he went out of his way to write this declaration of principles that were just a yeah and then he just yeah never followed through on any of it it's very confusing to me i guess that's what makes him complex and i guess everybody is full of what is called not oxymorons idiosyncrasies yeah yeah. um contradictions Mm -hmm. Uh, but his are just very blatant and on display Mm -hmm. and makes it all that more confusing yeah yeah so what else you mentioned that he kind of spoke of himself as a champion of the everyman Mm -hmm. but he wasn't in the end he was a champion for himself Mm -hmm. he wanted to you know become part of the political landscape wanted to eventually be president he said to his first wife 
which of course all fell apart because of his affair. And so then he goes on to just start building things. Okay, I can't be the champion politically. I'm going to use my money and power to build big buildings, which show, reflect how big and great I am. Yeah. It's very odd. I thought it was interesting at that point when he said, when a whole audience doesn't like you, that's when you have to fight them. Like, oh, again, yes. it's just he's, he's pushing to make everybody like him, but he's using all these surface these surface level things and like he just thinks he's going to prove everybody wrong you know and making his second wife fight that fight that she doesn't want to. yeah absolutely yeah it's very clear yeah and he throws it exactly like he throws everybody under the bus there he throws his first wife his second wife and his son under the bus just for his own because he doesn't want to be told what to do he also he also says at that point there's only one person in this world who's going to decide what i'm going to do and it's me like (laughs) it's crazy even given the in the face of your entire life falling apart just because somebody says okay this is the only choice left to you you need to make the sort of like prudent decision here Uh he's like oh no i'm not gonna be told what to do i'm gonna burn my life down (laughs) yeah and it's funny that he makes that remark because it also acts like he's had no choice he's Mm -hmm. been forced into this so which is it? Yeah. It's, a, it's just, I guess, another layer of the complexity. Mm-hmm. The other people in his life, like uh, Bernstein, it's very interesting. He was with him from the beginning mm-hmm. at the Inquirer, but he says he never felt he was his friend. Yeah. I was merely his manager. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it weird to go your whole life? I mean, we're talking, it looks like the span of, let's say, 50 years and never feel that this person is your friend right yeah and yet the one who said he was his friend which i believe is kane's only friend in the film other than if you want to call his wife's his friends mm-hmm. um leland jedediah mm-hmm. his first name? um and he ultimately calls him a scoundrel and they have this falling out and i really liked Leland's character. I thought he's one of the. I thought he like he's my he, favorite. character. He's my but, favorite yeah, character yeah. too. Favorite character. I felt like he spoke his truth. He spoke the truth about Kane. He spoke the truth to Kane. Yep. He was like the one person who wasn't afraid to kind of. Well, I guess Susan in the end mm-hmm. finds her nerve to like stand up to him. But most people in his life, kind of, he both just bowls them over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, Leland. And he sees from, from very early on in the scene where they have the, the party with the new newspaper people that mm-hmm. came over from the other one, the Chronicle, I think. Uh, he's already, you can see him, like things sort of shifting for him, right? So he sees very early on the person that Kane actually is. And right. And is not, is, is not really fooled as, a, and people, like, everybody isn't fooled because there are a lot of people that don't like him, but in a weird way, he still has this sort of spell over people. Right. You know, and partially, I'm sure, because of the money and power, but Leland is sort of like unaffected by that from very yeah. early on speaking of that um celebration dinner or whatever mm-hmm. where he gets all the newspaper men from the chronicle um you spoke about camera angles i thought that in that scene in particular um the camera angles like where he they get the conversation between leland and burst scene and yet you can see the reflection of kane with the mm-hmm. dancing girls i was like that's just brilliant that's mm-hmm. such 
a good shot yeah, you know yeah. like i like i'm not a film creator or anything but even i could see like that was brilliant yeah was there's brilliant. a lot of cool stuff like that actually that makes me it's, it's off topic from that but at the end like towards the end of the movie where he is and i think this is actually right it might be right after susan leaves but they're in uh at xanadu in the house right and he's walking out this I think, is gonna past be the everybody. same scene i want to mention yeah and there's uh mirrors. there's mirrors right yes, and it's yes, like the infinity exactly effect the but it's thing. like this just empty hall and it's just him right it's just yeah. him and the rest of his life his world is just completely empty as he's mm -hmm. slowly walking it's like mm -hmm. it, uh, on on a couple different levels it's so it's so telling of him and his character and his life and yeah. the decisions he's made and what it's come to yeah. right that was the other one i wanted to mention and just susan's exit like how it's like through doorways and doorways mm -hmm. and like the distance, yeah. you know, I just, it was so well done. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So what else? Any other thoughts, general thoughts about the movie? Um, the makeup of all the characters aging. Yeah. I think we even mentioned it while watching <laughs> yeah. it. It was done so well, yeah. especially for the time. Like for sure. I, I'm not a makeup person. I don't even wear any makeup, but I can appreciate the fact that, you know, he aged these people from what is their early 20s yep. all the way to yeah same actors playing these exactly. people at, over the span of 40 or 50 years yes. and it's like yeah and all well 99 in my opinion 99 percent very well done um is there anything you want to hit on before we talk our about our best worst most memorable yeah so the whole movie is i mean it's centered around him but uh, we're we're trying to figure out who Rosebud is. That's the question, the underlying question the whole time, right? Uh, and so I would say maybe about halfway or so through the movie, I was like, oh, wait, I think I know who Rosebud is. I didn't oh, tell you this. who did you think it was? I wasn't too far off. I was not right, but I don't think I was too far off. And the reason that I thought this was because he's holding the snow globe when he says Rosebud, uh -huh. and it's the snowy little house, right? And the house You thought it was his he, mother. I thought it was his mother. Yes. So he's, you know, the, the snowy house is his his childhood home and he's, you know, yearning for his childhood and what he missed out on and the way his life went. And so I thought Rosebud was his was his mother. So, yeah. So what do you think Rosebud Bud stands for? I have my own opinion. Do you want me to share first? Um, yeah, go for it. I guess I think it's a little layered, but prominently two ideas like this loss of childhood and loss of the man he could have been had he been able to continue that childhood. Mm -hmm. And he really is in mourning of that his whole life. He lives in regret from childhood onward, yeah, which is sure. a really sad way to live. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost like, yeah, because of that, and kind of already touched on this, but like because of all of that regret, he just like lives his life kind of like willy nilly. Like he, he does have his own opinions and convictions sort of but he uh, we talked about just throwing money around and like there's no real point and from the second that he takes over the newspaper he's just kind of like he, do he doesn't treat it like a real like a newspaper and traditionally you know tra how traditionally that's just all right. his agenda and uh no checking facts yeah just, absolutely. oh this is what we heard yeah. run with it yeah. like make that the story right that is the story exactly so but yeah i would i would agree with you on the on what sort of rosebud and the, and the sled signifies is that it is it is his childhood it is what he what he missed out on and and i mean exactly what you said just who he could have been had 
his sale not taking <laughs> place. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's I think that's right on. That's kind of what I was thinking. So, what was the best part of the film for you? So, uh, I thought of a few things as sort of the best parts. Uh, cinematography we talked about, uh, and makeup we talked about. I think if I'm being a little bit more, uh, I'll go like one general and one specific. Okay. Leland, I thought was like the best part of the movie in That's a general what I have sense. Oh, great. Down to he's so, the best part. He's all he's calling Kane out and he's not, as we talked about, like not not falling for his for his stuff. And he really answers a lot of questions that I had about Kane, like in the in the two there are two two scenes where he's talking to the uh, to the reporter and to shoot. Who was it to somebody else? I can't remember. But uh, two scenes where he has sort of a long conversation about Kane and it's like really puts into perspective who probably the one with Bernstein, right? With the yeah, dinner. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so puts puts more perspective who Kane is and like the just a little bit more insight into his character. Where I think absent Leland in those conversations, at least for myself, I would have had a lot more questions about Kane and been more confused about him and who he who he is. So, uh, and then a little specific thing that I liked at the end was one of the final shots is of the chimney of the house at Xanadu and the smoke coming out the chimney. So they're burning all these things that are, they have all this, this room full of all of these really valuable things and all the statues and all this stuff mm -hmm. that he's acquired over his lifetime. And then they're like, burning well, we're going to burn all the, all the garbage, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the junk when it turns out that's the most valuable stuff that right. there really is. Right. And they burn this, this sled that signifies his childhood and everything. But I liked the shot of the chimney and the smoke coming out of the chimney. It's his, it's his life and what could have been just being burnt, just going up in smoke. I like that yeah. sort of symbolism there. Yeah. So very, very cool. And what about you? I just, the feet, I think I mentioned it earlier of just Orson Welles having this vision and making it come to life. Mm -hmm. I just, it's incredible. And very few artists get that opportunity. Yeah. And I don't know much about his career, but I'm pretty sure this is fairly early in his career. And it's amazing that he had so much control and such vision so early yeah. in his career. Yeah, definitely. So I thought that and just Jed Leland's character and the actor who portrayed him, uh, I especially found the humor in uh, his interview with the newsman and how he's trying to get the cigars. Get the cigars and yeah, constantly. His character is, I don't know, it's just was the best for mm -hmm. me. As yeah. off-putting as Kane is, he is endearing. Yeah. So worst part? Um. So I have two things okay. for this. I have the whole cell thing made no sense i don't understand a mother selling her child like it's not like they were in absolute poverty sure. i didn't i mean and maybe there's a backstory i don't know mm -hmm. i think it's supposed to be referenced with that whole comment about him tanning his backside like that somehow this man was abusive or something 
and she's saving him from that. But yeah, it I think they give really little, just like, makes no sense. I think to they me. give like little breadcrumbs for you to sort of kind of go like, oh, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. But also, I think it's just sort of, again, think, that's like the vehicle for the movie. So it's like there's just a little bit of suspension of disbelief like that. You just need to sort of buy into that and bite on that in yeah. order to get to the rest of the movie. I guess because I am a mother and I just feel it goes so against what any mother would do. I need to be slapped in the face <laughs> with how necessary or how beneficial this mother could really believe that this cell yeah. is for her child yeah, that yeah. she is willing to give him up. Yeah, I get it. I just am like this <laughs> like hit the um his first wife's response about like, well, obviously you're going to walk away from this campaign because you cheating being in the paper would ruin your son. Like that's a much more motherly response. And mm -hmm. like, who's to say that the kid would even read the paper? Like she's protecting him from something he may not even see until he's like, or know until he's older. Sure. And that to me is much more how a mother would behave yeah. than his own mother, which made zero sense to me. That is, brings me to my other worst it is mentioned in passing somewhere in the story that his wife and son die in a car crash yeah. and yet we never see that impact on right. him <laughs> ever they say that he marries susan one week after his divorce from mm. his first wife and then it says if his first wife and son never existed. Yeah. We don't hear from them, which, uh, okay. But you would think that the death of his son, which in many ways, most people, or maybe not most people, but I feel like many people who felt they had lost their childhood would be more protective or want to live vicariously through their own child. So his complete and utter disregard for his son and then the fact that that death seemingly had zero impact on him mm -hmm. that that doesn't make any sense yeah. it, it, to me that's a real hole in the plot in yeah the, that's true it just maybe it speaks to just his sort of complete self-absorption you know that he never Perhaps. thinks of or speaks of them again and it doesn't affect them a lot but yeah big plot hole you would think they'd at least have more than one passing mention of that yes, yeah yes it's very <laughs> it was like oh we're, we're done with those characters. Those characters' role in his development is over, so it's like they never were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the other worst for okay. me. How about you? Uh, so my worst is him. Uh, I think he was the worst part. Of the movie. <laughs> he's just a terrible person. <laughs> I don't think he was a bad part of the movie, but like yeah, I think he was just he was terrible. Yeah, he's yeah. just a terrible person, and like he squandered what could have been so much, and he had you know could have had such a positive effect on so many people and just chose time and time again to to go for the decisions that hurt other people or that only benefited himself you know or benefited nobody or yes, like absolutely. the statues in the crates like it did no good for anyone yeah well other than to again potentially like show his pump himself up i own all these statues but he didn't even put them on display yeah, yeah. like it yeah, it's just something just proving his value, being able to buy all those statues. You know, no. it's 20, they said like a Venus de Milo. It's like a, a $25,000 for a statue without another Venus de Milo. $25,000 for a statue without a head. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can buy that. And I don't even need to put it on display. You know, maybe he's just pumping himself up. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought he was not oh, the worst part of the movie. But yeah, uh, 
small thing, and I know we talked about how good the makeup was. I thought one of the worst parts of the movie was his makeup when Susan leaves him. His true story. His yes. hair slicked back too much. It's or the a, wig. The, the is, wig. Is the all bald wrong. wig thing mm-hmm. on his head. It mm-hmm. doesn't look like it's fit. It fits right, and it's like. It stands out like a sore thumb because so it would almost be better if all of the makeup was like that, then that wouldn't stand out so much. But because all of it was so well done, and that's like a critical part of the movie. And I remember him like well, walking out of. Uh, I remember him walking out of the room, uh, you know, to all of his his staff yes. that just watched him yeah. tear up the you know the room, and it just looks terrible. Like <laughs> it's just a straight on shot, and it just looks awful. I think it's because it's. I think it's markedly different because it's supposed to be him the oldest we've ever seen him and so they felt like thinning hair would show display that and for sure yeah but poorly done yeah yes (laughs) agree agreed agreed Uh, yeah okay so most memorable um it has to be rosebud right that i mean i have one more little thing but go ahead yes okay yeah I, i just think you know it's been spoofed in other things or mentioned in mm-hmm. other things um it just is it it's in the beginning it's in the end it's yeah, it sort of drives the story right? yeah yeah it is it's what's gonna like if you never see this movie again and someone mentions rosebud you'll still make that connection yeah for sure uh the other thing that i had was the uh sweaty slash disheveled original editor of the inquirer he that was guy very was sweaty <laughs> hilarious and like making all these super weird faces that like gave him triple chins when he was like not happy with how <laughs> things kane was doing and and i thought it was particularly funny because in the end in the credits it's like uh you know starring orson welles and then all of, like it, it lists all of these other people who are new to the screen. It says oh, something yeah, to the yes, effect yes, of yes, like yes. you know welcoming or you know introducing all these new actors and like all these people have like good roles and they look really nice. And then there's this one like scrunched faced, sweaty, wispy haired <laughs> editor guy. This like this is my debut. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I think everybody else got work after this movie except for that guy, <laughs> unless he's like that's you know, he's gonna be cornered into that. Yeah, role for the rest he's of his gonna life. get niched yeah, into yeah, sweaty do we have a part for a sweaty editor newspaper editor yeah. uh yes perfect that's you sir uh yeah so any other any other thoughts no i think uh that's it i would recommend it yeah i would too i would recommend seeing it i feel like it's a hard sell for the younger people i feel like you have to be a little older to really appreciate the film i mean not yeah. to watch it obviously yeah. but yeah to appreciate it I feel like you have to be in your 30s at least. Yeah, I could see that. Or at least like a, you know, it's it's not just a fun-loving movie, right? You, know, you need to have a, a, it needs to be something or have a person that like, you know, likes a sort of a little bit of a heady movie, a little bit of a movie with some, some subtext and some more subtlety to it and, you know, complexity and that they want to sort of think about a little heaviness yeah yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely so well we did it we did it yes thanks for listening (laughs) to our our first episode of uh underexposed so our next episode we've decided on doing blade runner yeah we're gonna step into the sci-fi world sounds good and then i think there are a few others that we talked about too yeah um we just want to give you guys a taste of kind of 
the places we're going to go so you don't think it's just black and white or niche. We're going to do all different types. So we plan on doing Gone with the Wind, In Bruges, Dr. Sang's Love, Mad Max, The Graduate, and many more. And a bunch of others too. So, uh, And we've set up an email address. So the email address is underexposedthepodcast at gmail.com. So you can feel free to send any questions, comments, or suggestions on movies if you'd like to that. Uh, and we'd love to hear what you have to say if there's anybody listening out there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And we hope you join us next time. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thank you.